Continuing with our previous episode about following the money, we see that hospitals, even though they're bringing in so much profit and swallowing up smaller companies, are not charging less for their services. Instead, they're demanding more. Rosenthal, the journalist whose research we're reviewing, refers to a 1982 hospital financial management textbook that makes an eye-opening illustration. At the top of an organizational chart, you see Board of Trustees. Meanwhile, titles like Medical Staff and Ladies Auxiliary are beneath. Shouldn't this be the other way around? Work titles were starting to change. Head Nurse now became known as Clinical Nurse Manager, and the Physician-in-Chief and Surgeon-in-Chief became Chief Medical Officer, focusing mainly on solving tough cases that could turn the best financial profit for the hospital. As the book points out, one hospital worker said it best when reflecting on the past. What disappeared was the head nurse who fiercely protected the patients on her ward and didn't give a damn about the financials. This is all due to money. We're just following the money. And as hospitals continued to draw in more revenue, they started developing new systems to manage it all. See, from 1967 to 1983, Medicare went from paying hospitals $3 billion to cover patients to $37 billion. As hospital costs continued to increase, people started complaining. And so different strategies were formed to try to regulate everything. One strategy was the DRG, the Diagnosis Related Group. This group set fixed rates for different treatments and procedures. But what this meant in the long run was that those who recovered faster made the hospital more money, and those who stayed in the hospital longer cost the hospital more money. Other insurers developed management groups that determined how much they'd pay for any given treatment or procedure. This is why you now see on hospital bills what the hospital originally charged and what insurance has agreed to pay. But think of the ambiguity that all this has created. It means hospital costs became individualized, different for every patient in every situation, and completely unexplainable and unjustifiable to the patient. On top of that, costs became worse for the small and weak who could be bullied by the rich and powerful. If you were a small insurer, or if you had no insurance at all, hospitals could demand as much money as they wanted out of you. After all, who's going to stop the hospital from doing otherwise? And this leads us to Rosenthal's rule number eight of the backwards nature of health care. Quote, There is no such thing as a fixed price for a procedure or test, and the uninsured pay the highest prices of all. So, all these hikes in prices, like insurance costs increasing 20% per year in the 90s, led to the dreaded HMO. An HMO is a health maintenance organization. Here's how it works. A patient pays a set amount to the HMO, and the HMO has a primary care doctor who takes care of all the patients within this closed network. This organization formed by hospitals was a small glimmer of hope. 
It seemed like hospitals were realizing how they were costing people too much money, and in order to compete with the diagnosis-related group and other types of care management, they needed to figure out their own cost-effective strategy to bring in clients. But what was supposed to be a mother hen moving from place to place to tend to her chicks ended up more as a chicken running around with its head cut off. HMOs often offered more than they could deliver. A lot of their care was poor quality, and sometimes HMOs couldn't even reimburse hospitals, so they shifted the debt to the patient, making them responsible to pay whatever the HMO owed. Needless to say, the HMO only lasted about a decade. And although overall the HMO was a failure, maybe there's something to glean here as Rosenthal reminds us that the 90s were the only decade in history, aside from the 40s, where the cost of U.S. health spending didn't increase faster than the cost of living. But with the fallout of HMOs and the changing of medical titles to make them more business focused, another strategy honed in on consultants. Medical consultants focused on how they could make hospitals more money. They began selling market ideas to hospitals. Essentially, they would say, I've got a great strategy you can use to make more money, and as long as I get a profit out of what you make, uh, we can work together. So everyone's making money here for their immorality that I'm about to demonstrate to you. These consultants would analyze where hospitals were making money and losing it, and they'd capitalize on their strengths. So, for example, the book shows that instead of billing items that insurance wouldn't reimburse, like rolls of gauze, they would jack up the cost of operating room time and prescription drugs and whatever insurance would cover. And what this meant was that hospitals could now bill the cost of something at a wildly high value that was astronomically more than the actual cost of the item. Some people felt uncomfortable about it all but the hospitals that weren't doing so well financially took the strategy pretty easily. To see what this looks like on a patient level, look no further than the many examples Rosenthal gives us in her book. Consider Patricia Kaufman, who usually received back surgeries to treat her spinal condition. The plastic surgery to seal the wound used to be done at no cost, but now Patricia finds separate $250,000 fees from plastic surgeons who come to treat her. Sometimes Tylenol is charged at $17 a pill. One family received a $21,000 bill when their father had a heart attack at home and was declared dead in a wheelchair when the family got him to the lobby. Not one test was done before he was dead. Arizona charged a man $210,000 for a surgery that got infected and was performed unsuccessfully, really, and after an additional $28,000 helicopter flight, the man had a successful surgery for free in his home country of Canada. Our case in point here is really simple. Hospitals all over the U.S. have ways of billing you to make the most money they can regardless of how crazy the bill seems. Consultants and businesses have all invaded the health arena, shifting focus from you, the patient, to the pocket, the money. And these consultant firms need no sympathy, making upwards of more than $30 billion. All you have to do is follow the money, 
and their healthcare investing will be.